You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in to this TGIF edition of the Gary Harris Show, the final Friday in October. Wow, the year's just flying by. This is uh, Friday, October 27, 2023. This is the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 12.30 AM WTBC. Glad you are with us. I'm your host, Gary Harris. Here the next couple of hours talking sports and more of the big TGIF edition. Man, we have a lot of fun. Justin Jones is right there on the other side of the glass, and uh, he's uh, going to be manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205. 205- Five three four two nine nine zero four. Of course, Noah Haynes is uh, running around here, and I see why it's hanging around after doing the Wimp and Berry show this morning too. So we got the Friday morning crew ready to rock and roll, and you know how it is around here on Fridays. We have some fun, man. Whether I, whether it's been a long week or not. Friday, I come to life, and that's going to be the case this morning here on the program. We'll run it down for you here in just a minute. Of course, tell you about the Bama Football Trivia Contest presented by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. We're giving away another great prize. I put it out on social media last night, and we'll tell you about that in just a moment. But first, I need to tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Remember, owned and not-for-profit, it really is just a better way of banking. Roll Tide, show your pride. Apply now for the official card of the UA Alumni Association endorsed by Alabama place kicker Will Reichard. You can only get it at Alabama Credit Union. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com, Alabama Credit Union Loans for Real Life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership and join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, man, we're glad to have Adam Amin back with us uh, this Friday morning. He has uh, been out for a while and uh, been busy, of course, doing NFL and uh, uh, Major League Baseball. Now he's, of course, doing NFL, and he started back with the Chicago Bulls as their play-by-play announcer. And we'll have, we have him on at 9.30 to go around the world of sports. Then at 10.30, it's the... Uh, Auburn report with Brett Pritchard. Also this morning, my SEC point spread predictions coming up. And of course, as I said, the Alabama football trivia contest. Justin, do you want to go ahead and do it again with, uh, during the Brett Pritchard segment? Segment, does that work best for you? All right, we'll do it at 1030. We'll do the question at 1030. And then we'll qualify people throughout the entire segment. Man, we, we, um, have been qualifying a lot of people, and why not? Another incredible gift today, the Isaiah Bond, Alabama wide receiver who's having a terrific year, an Isaiah Bond autographed football. You can see it on my Twitter account. If you go to at Gary Harris underscore WVUA, at Gary Harris underscore WVUA, and scroll down, it's uh, right underneath the lineup from this morning. If you will um, look at it, you'll know it's a beautiful um Football signed by Isaiah Bond and your opportunity to win comes up this morning at 1030. So we can't wait for that. Of course, we're going to dive into the, as I said, the SEC point spread predictions coming up on the show as well and uh, talk about the matchups this weekend, including the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, although it's no longer supposed to be referred to as that, but it still is by most fans, Georgia and Florida. 
Coming up tomorrow afternoon in Jacksonville. NFL last night, the Bills beat the Bucks 24-18. Like there was a pass interference on the Bills that they got away with on that final play. Should have been an untimed down for the Bucks to have a chance to pull the upset. But the Bills, who have been struggling really, get a, get a win on Thursday night at home. It uh, was not easy, 24-18 the final. Uh, you heard in the Fox Sports update that uh, NBA action, as we talked about yesterday, is full speed ahead right now. The Bucks opened at home. Uh, Dame time is now in Milwaukee at 39 points and 8 rebounds as they nipped the uh, 76ers 118 to 117. And then it was the Lakers outscoring the Suns 28 to 11 in the fourth quarter to win that game 100 to 95. And uh, what was interesting for uh, the Suns is they played without Booker and Bill, but uh, still gave uh, the Lakers a heck of a game. But the Lakers needed that win and they got it. Uh, and LeBron led the way in the fourth quarter. Kevin Durant had 39 points and 11 rebounds for the Suns. That's the first time he and LeBron have played against each other in a long, long time. But uh, uh, the the Lakers get the win last night in the NBA. Big NFL weekend coming up. Could it be the last game for Derrick Henry for the uh, Titans against the Falcons on Sunday? There's a possibility. There's a lot of, a lot of scoop out there going around that uh, the uh, Titans – May trade Henry next week prior to the deadline. We'll see about that. All right, right now we've got uh, phone calls backed up. We're going to start it off with Cole, and then we'll get to uh, Corey over in Trustful. So let's go ahead and jump out on the first of main condominiums hotline and get the show going this morning with some Friday phone calls. Good morning, Cole. How are you? Good morning. Hey, who wins that Florida-Georgia game? Oh, I got to take Georgia. I mean, you know, listen, really? it's, it's, it, it is what it is. I mean, I think does Florida have a puncher's chance? Sure. But, I mean, Georgia's still a better football team than Florida. And and much like um, when Alabama, you know, has has been on its row, usually when you question Georgia, that's when they come up big. And, you know, we saw it against Kentucky, and, and uh, now some people are saying, well, maybe Florida can play with them. And, and maybe they can. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. I, in fact, I, yeah. I think the point spread – that spread it's like 14 that's yeah, so, I, don't, I don't know yeah so but i but i'd have to pick yeah if you're asking me who's gonna win the game i'm yeah. gonna pick georgia do, do we do we do we see tennessee again if somehow georgia and missouri fall off the wagon though no because both one of those is it you know my opinion either georgia or missouri is gonna make it to atlanta i still think it's georgia i mean i, I don't all of a sudden understand all this uh concern about georgia i mean i still think they're the best team in the east and so I still think it's going to be Georgia. Um, you know, now Missouri will get their crack next week. And if they win that game in Athens, they'll have the head-to-head tiebreaker. So, you know, you'll have Missouri trying to play for their opportunity in Athens against Georgia. And you'll have LSU trying to play for their opportunity in Tuscaloosa against uh, um, Alabama. So it's going to be a big, big weekend next weekend. Who clinches the West if Bama does lose to LSU next weekend? Will it be LSU? No, no, it'd be wide open. Um, LSU would have the head-to-head tiebreaker with with Alabama. So, but you'd still have Ole Miss in there with one loss. So somehow, if all those teams wound up tied, you'd go to that unique three-way tiebreaker because Alabama would have beaten Ole Miss, Ole Miss would have beaten LSU, and LSU would have beaten Alabama. So, and again, I don't have all the the intel on that how that tiebreaker would work. We need to pull it up, but you could have potentially a three-way tie which we don't have often, then they'd go into a weird weird tiebreaker. But if it's head-to-head, if it's two teams, the head-to-head's the first one. In other words, if it's Alabama and LSU, and LSU's got one loss and Alabama's got one loss, then it's going to be LSU that goes. You know, So uh, that's why that's such a big game next weekend. It is. This, this, it, could be, it could be a three-way time, both east and west, easily, like you, like, like you said. Possibility, but yeah. Wonder, yeah. yeah we, got, we got to see what plays out. This, this is going to be fun. I think this is going to be the year, though, a two-loss team gets in the playoffs, too, if it, if it does happen like, like that. There, there's a two-way tie, both in the east and west, and we'll probably see a two-loss team. 
it's po- it's, it's possibility. You know, it's yeah. it's it's a possibility. I still at this point would say it's a long shot because you've got you still got a lot of. I think teams. there's a lot. Of, there's going to be some teams like tomorrow. I think Wisconsin has Ohio State on the ropes and possibly Kansas, Oklahoma on the. They have them on the ropes. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, there's going to be some upsets tomorrow too. I think. All right, buddy. Good call as always. All right, man. You be good. Yeah, good to hear from you, Cole. All right, let's keep it going here on the uh, First Domain Condominiums Hotline and welcome in our pal Corey from over in Trustful. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Gary. How you doing this morning? I am doing well. What about yourself? I'm doing great. Um, I know I didn't get a chance to comment on the Tennessee game, and but I, I'll tell you this, an incredible second half. Um, you couldn't have asked for a better second half. I mean... They, whatever was said at halftime was received and, uh, just, um, uh, it worked. And I guess a lot of Alabama fans were thinking that the game was over at halftime because Alabama couldn't do anything offensively. And then the, 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 the play that changed the game was the, um, Isaiah Barron, long touchdown pass. The guy's back in the game, but um, this is an incredible performance in the second half, and I couldn't be more proud of Alabama. Yeah, I'm with you, Corey. We talked about it all week long here. You know, you you have a first half like that where you're, you know, you're not playing your best, although Alabama had some chances, you know, to make that game closer. But then Tennessee gets a touchdown literally right before halftime, and you're down 13. But then you come out and you wipe that out really in two plays. You know, you, you have the long run by McClellan and the touchdown pass to Bond, and the next thing you know, well, it's like the half is starting, the third quarter is starting with you kicking off up, you know, only down 20 to 14. And Alabama just took control of that game from there. And, you know, you outscore your your – you know, big rival, twenty-seven to nothing in the second half. That's pretty much domination. So, yeah, great win going into the bye week. Alabama's got a lot of momentum, and uh, you know, it, it, the games get bigger from here. And there's none bigger than what's going to happen a week from tomorrow night, and that's that's the game that I think will ultimately decide the SEC West. So, if Alabama wins it, if Alabama wins it uh, Saturday night, then they'll have the tiebreaker head-to-head against Ole Miss and LSU. So, um, they would have to lose. They'd have to lose twice. Um, to have any chance not to go to Atlanta. And I don't think they're going to lose to both Kentucky and Auburn. In fact, I don't think they're going to lose to either one. So, um, I think Alabama, if they win next Saturday night, they're, they're, they're going to Atlanta. I know you'll give, you'll give your point spread prediction, but is there any chance you see Auburn not going bowling? Cause there's four games left and. Yeah, I see a chance that they couldn't go bowling. I don't listen, man. I, you know, they may, they may win some games. Um, but to sit here and say that team's going to get to six wins is, is, I mean, that's by no means a given. I mean, I'm not sure they're going to win tomorrow, man. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I know Whip took it as the blue plate special, laying six and a half, but this is a team. I mean, they're still getting, they're still getting quite a bit of respect because they played a, you know, respectable game against Georgia and they did, but you know, they've not won a conference game. And I know people say, well, they lost by seven to Ole Miss. But at halftime of that game last week, I think they had 16 yards passing, and they give them credit. They were tied 14-14. But then that game was over. They scored that touchdown late to make it to take it from 28-14 to 28-21. But you know the game was the game was over, and they they converted I think a fourth and 16, and on the pass to Hunter that he bobbled, and and then they wound up scoring a touchdown. But they didn't. It's not like they had a chance to win that game. I mean, people say, well, they got to kick an onside kick, but. Um, 
I'm not sure they'll win tomorrow. I mean, again, I'm not saying that they won't. They are at home. I think they should beat Mississippi State. But when you struggle the way they struggle on offense, um, your margin for error is very, very, very slim. So, I, yeah, I think there's a chance they won't make a bowl. I, I think there's a good chance that they will. But it's not a given. No, not at all. I mean, they, you know, they, they need to win a conference game. I mean, they won a conference game. And even in the non-conference, I mean, that game they won at Cal, uh, they were very, very fortunate to win that game. So this is not a team that, you know, again, I mean, they played Georgia a really good game. Give them credit. I mean, they, they battled that entire game. But outside of that game, um, this has not been a team that's, that's done very much, you know, particularly offensively. So we'll see. Would you agree that, uh, switching subjects here, would you agree that Tall Ball was a success for Alabama? Yeah, based on everything that I've been able to hear and read and piece together, uh, yes, I would. Um, you know, I, I, I think that this, again, this is a transition time and, and for Alabama softball and, you know, we're going to have to see the finished product in the spring. But yes, I would, I would, um, I would say it was a success. And everything that I've heard, you know, I, I'm a little concerned on the recruiting trail, and you follow recruiting better than I do. Shelby McKenzie with the Birmingham Thunderbolts, who's one of maybe the best hitter in the in the 2024 class, and her mom played at uh, Alabama, has com, you know is committed to Florida State. Uh, what do you know anything about that, Corey? No, I did not. Okay, uh, her brother Jackson's a freshman at Mississippi State on the baseball team, but she is a uh, phenomenal, phenomenal hitter. Like I said, she's been called the best pure hitter in the class of 2024 since she was 10 years old and um shelby mckenzie first base and pitcher from the birmingham thunderbolts is committed to florida state now maybe alabama can can change that around but uh you know recruit because ultimately recruiting is where it's going to be you know it's where it's always been but it's where it's going to be uh decided what alabama does because with oklahoma and texas coming in and you've already got you know the other teams in this league. You've got to get you got to get marquee players. I mean, you're not going to make you know um, a, a, a great roster without recruiting great players. I mean, you got to develop who you have, but you're not going to you know you're not going to sign average players and then expect them to compete against Oklahoma and Texas and Florida and and Tennessee and all the teams that are in this league. So I hope that the recruiting. Um, is able to it's been good always been good but i hope they can take it to the next level but that concerns me when i see a player like that with uh strong ties to the university of alabama and playing for the birmingham thunderbolts and she commits to florida state so we well, will we'll here, see well florida state is always known as a great hitting program yeah and the way and the way alabama's been hitting lately i don't blame them for going to florida state i mean when you see the product alabama's been putting on the field of hitting at least Make you wonder why she didn't go to Alabama. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, you know, like I said, the, the hitting is going to uh, get turned around, and and uh, I'm hopeful that we're going to see this offense, you know, take big steps going forward this year. And and um, as you said, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a new time and a new attitude and a, a new program. And let's just uh, let's just hope that the Alabama softball kind of reinvents itself this year. And you know, the good thing is, um, it's not like they didn't you know have a good year last year. They went to the, went to the women's college world series. So it's just a matter of um, you know getting a little bit better to have a chance to win another national championship. You said that they're missing home run power, and that's what you have to have. And this time because I mean I'm not saying you have to be in Oklahoma with home run power but you have to have a 
uh, a pulse of it because you can't just be a gap to gap team and because the teams are too good for that and uh, you're only going to go so far playing that kind of ball. Well, uh, I you know. Yeah, you need some power, but I mean, if you're if you're a, if you rattle those gaps enough and you can run the bases, I mean, you can still generate offense. Um, I, I think that you 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 know you don't have to hit home runs one through nine the way that that Oklahoma does, but certainly you need you need a good dose of power, particularly through the middle of your lineup. I mean, this isn't going to be a, an Oklahoma team right now; they're just not going to have that kind of power. But I think that they can have some power and. Uh, you know, hit some gaps, run the bases, and, and generate some offense. And I think one big key, though, is is the pitching always. And Kayla Beaver, the Central Arkansas transfer, I think is legit. Uh, is she Montana Fouts? Probably not. But she is, I think, a legit number one starting pitcher in regards to the SEC. And I think you'll see that. Last year, uh, 201 in a third innings, 1.15 ERA, 25-7 and seven record. Uh, and um, she beat Arkansas, and you know how good Arkansas was offensively, and she did. She shut them out over seven innings, and she's um, – so, you know, that's going to be good, too, to have a number one pitcher. And then, of course, you got Torrance back and some others, so I think they should be good in the circle, and I think they're going to be better. I do think they're going to be better on – on offense, but the pitching is always big with, with Beaver coming in to be your number one. Then you have Torrance, I think will be your, your other, uh, weekend starter. And then you'll still have Alex Salter, Lauren Esman, and, um, you know, they'll have a decent pitching staff too. You know, um, whoever would have thought that before the season started, you would have the Rangers and the Diamondbacks for the World Series. Very few people, but it's like we've been discussing on the show, Corey. Uh, Major League Baseball is kind of peculiar. Uh, you play 162 games, which is by far the most of any professional sport, and twice as many as the NBA. You play 162 games, and then you have a three-game series. And at one time, you had a one-game wild card, but a three-game series, a five-game series, and two seven-game series. So, uh, so much of what you see during the regular season just goes out the window. It just goes out the window in those short series. And, you know, for Arizona to win 84 games and make the World Series after barely, barely getting into the playoffs and kind of being an afterthought and then knocking off the, the Brewers, the Dodgers, and the Phillies, they earned their way there. And the Rangers won four games in Houston. Uh, against the Astros, so they did too. So it'll be an interesting World Series. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, pre, you know, last preseason, if you'd have told me we'd had the Rangers and, and Diamondbacks in the World Series, I'd have probably laughed. But it is what it is. I guess I'm pulling for the Diamondbacks. They're kind of the underdog of the whole thing, and because uh, um, Philly knocked our brains out. Yeah, the the D-backs are absolutely an underdog again. Uh, just 84 wins in the regular season, uh, a, a roster that if you're just a casual baseball fan, you probably can't rattle off the names of too many of those guys. They're young. They're aggressive. Um, they run the bases like crazy. They put pressure on the other team's defense. They're a good defensive team, and they're finding you know ways to win games when it matters. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but the only thing that might might be – concerning in a way is the ratings for the World Series because you have the Baltimore Orioles and the Atlanta Braves as the two best teams and they're not in it and you just wonder the ratings are not going to be good because 
the, the, the two teams are left or not. Oh, there's no doubt. Listen, you know, if you're if you're Major League Baseball, you know, you want you want the Dodgers Yankees in the World Series. You know what I mean? Or you want the Red Sox Braves? Or you want the uh, you know Braves Yankees? I mean, you want you know you want the marquee teams. I mean, that's what that's but but you know it is what it is. And if you don't get there, you don't get there. But yeah, I would think when you look at Arizona and Texas, other than the fact that it's the world series, there's not going to be a lot of casual fan interest uh, for that world series. There's just not because casual fans, they want to see the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Celtics, the Lakers, the Cowboys, you know, the, the, the Steelers, you know, they want to see um, the, the teams that, they recognize, and that's not going to be the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, yeah, it probably will not be a highly rated World Series, but it could still be a very entertaining World Series, and that's what we're hoping for. Hey, got to run, Corey. Yeah, good to talk to you, Gary. Roll time. Good to talk to you. 921, we'll get to the break. Uh, this hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, and we'll be back with more. And then at the bottom of the hour, Adam Amin from Fox Sports. will break it down for us. We'll have uh, all that coming up in this first hour, then in hour number two at 1030. Bama football trivia presented by T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery in the University Mall with an opportunity to win that Isaiah Bond autographed football. So keep it dialed in right here to the Gary Harris Show. We'll be right back. Finding great much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Las Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Las Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Las Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another warm, dry day today. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 82. Fair tonight below 64. And for the weekend, warm and dry. A partly sunny sky tomorrow and Sunday. Highs between 82 and 85. I'm James Spann of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 68 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 
That's a new addition to the weekend music, JF music, but a good one. Justin, I mean, you can rock and roll all night and party all day. Kiss, classic rock. I mean, that, that, I want to say that's 74, 75, 75 maybe. And uh, you hear it today, it's still a rock and roll anthem. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on uh, Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Adam Amin coming up in the next segment. So we're going to dive into uh, World Series, NFL football, NBA with, with Adam. So right now in a few minutes before we have to hit this break, um, continue to get some questions this week when I run into people about uh, Jalen Milrow and, um, you know, my opinion of him. First of all, as I've said since before the season started, next level athlete, exceptional athlete. I, my opinion of him really is not any different than it was going into the year. I, I thought that I thought he was the best quarterback going into the season. Okay, that you know I said it here on the show. I thought Alabama's best opportunity to win was Jalen Milrow, and that's nothing against uh, Tyler Buckner or Ty Simpson or, or of course, obviously you got two true freshmen um, in Holstein and Lonergan. But I thought he was the best quarterback on the team. And then in the opener against Middle Tennessee, he played great. And then against Texas, I thought he did some things, but he had some mistakes. There's no doubt about it. He made some mistakes in that game. And obviously, the coaches made a unique decision to kind of to bench him for the South Florida game, take a look at the other two quarterbacks, Buckner and, and, and Simpson, to see what they had. And, and what they had was, you know, some guys that competed, but quite frankly, Alabama very was, you know, had to, had to bench Buckner and bring in Simpson. And we're very fortunate to win that game uh, down in Tampa against uh, USF. And so after that, you go back to, to Milrow, and all he's done is lead your team to five straight SEC wins. Hasn't always been pretty. So what do I think? I think he's Alabama's quarterback. I think he's got a chance to take this team to Atlanta. And uh, I think he gets better and better every week. And it's not, you know, he's not a finished product. He still makes mistakes. But he makes a lot of good plays, too. And I think they have worked hard with the staff and Milrow, Tommy Reese, to limit the mistakes and to learn, you know, that it's better to live to play another down. You don't always have to make the, the great play. And I think he's done a much better job of, of doing that. And, yeah, still, you know, sometimes holds the ball a little too long. But... He's a playmaker, and um, you know he's got this team in position to to have a really special year, and that's so that's what I think. I think Alabama, you know, Nick Saban proves once again that he knows more than we do. Um, he's coached this team to a point where their only loss is a non-conference. You know, again, hey, it made Alabama better, but if you've got you know if you've got you know directional state, you know you. In that second game, instead of Texas, you're undefeated. But you wouldn't know as much about your football team. So I think ultimately that Texas game was good for Alabama. It hurt to lose it at home, but I think it was good for the Tide. All right, 928, we'll take a break, and we'll come back with Adam Amin from Fox Sports to go around the world of sports next, right here on The Gary Harris Show. Since 2011, Billy's Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. 
Billy's, good food, good friends, and good time. Hey, this is Old Colony Golf Courses, an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. You're listening to the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9. Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Also, pick up that app or download that app. Put it on your phone. Take us anywhere, anytime. It's a pleasure to be joined by Adam Amin from Fox Sports, who we've uh, missed the last couple of weeks, but uh, he's back this morning, and he's on the call this Sunday on Fox for what will be a very interesting NFL game between the Browns and the Seahawks. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Going to lead off with Major League Baseball this morning. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Doing great, my friend. How are you? Great to have you back on, and I'm sure everybody had uh, Rangers Diamondbacks on their scorecard going <laughs> into the postseason for the World Series, right? Of course. I mean, is it is it a huge shock? Not necessarily a huge shock, but it's definitely not what we were expecting with teams like Atlanta, Philadelphia in the mix, uh, with the Dodgers in the mix. Of course, the Dodgers got beaten by the Diamondbacks, uh, with the Astros, with, uh, with a couple of the teams that we were looking at, you know, the Rays and the Orioles. I don't think uh, the Rangers and Diamondbacks, two teams that were both coming out of the wild card, were at the top of the list. But certainly you can see why they've made it, but they certainly weren't expected to be here. Well, I remember telling you, uh, you know, I thought the D-backs would get get washed by the Dodgers. And you said, not so fast. You know, this is a team, they're aggressive, they're young, they've run the bases, they, you know, hit the gaps. And, and um, you know, but I was just looking at 84 wins. But I, I think that this is a perfect example of where we're at. And, you know, when I was growing up, you either won the division or you didn't go to the playoffs. I mean, that was it. I mean, you had, right. you, had you know, you had uh, – Four, four teams in the playoffs. And, and so we never got to see these opportunities. But I think this is a, you know, and you and I have discussed this. You play 162 games. Braves, Dodgers, Orioles all won 100 games or more. The Braves are the best team in baseball uh, because that's the best team in baseball. But rarely does the best team in baseball, or certainly not always, win the World Series. And these teams get in. Uh, you know, the D-backs, you know, squeaking in with 84 wins, playing on house money. And, and you know, you look at that gauntlet they ran to get the World Series. Uh, it's proof that, you know, postseason baseball is just different. And, uh, yeah, it's important for your fan base and winning divisions and hanging pennants and banners and all that's important. But uh, it's not an indicator of who's going to get to the World Series, is it? It never really has been. I, I shouldn't say never, but it, certainly in my lifetime, it really hasn't been the case, especially since you've changed the playoff mm-hmm. format. Right, going to the divisional format in the, the mid-'90s after the strike and kind of seeing how, you know, this format – rewards not randomness i i don't feel right saying that it rewards randomness but it is more susceptible to it when you think about all right it's 162 and 
you know, there's only going to be, like you said, there are, what, three or four teams that won 100 games this season, you know, Braves, Orioles, Rays. There, there's only a few of those teams that really stuck out, right? They're like, oh, wow, this is a really good team that won this many games. And in years past, you know, they may have been, you know, the only, three of only four teams that would have gotten into the postseason, you know, and then it got expanded to, to have a, few, a couple more on each mm-hmm. side. All right, that's fine. But when you add more teams, and I'm not saying this is as an indictment of the system, this is just the, the byproduct of it. When you have the schedule the way it is, when you have teams that are going to get in with, you know, 80-some-odd wins, 87 wins, 90 wins, whatever it may be, you're going to see the products, the byproducts of some randomness come into play. And what I, I think we have to kind of figure out how do we want to balance these things? How do we want to balance the competitive that it takes to win 100 games in Major League Baseball and compare that to, well, it's a tournament format with series. It's not like you're, you know, we've gotten rid of the one game wild card. We've gotten rid of some of these one game series right. and turned it into best two out of three for the sake of cutting down on some of the randomness. The longer a series goes, the less randomness plays a role or the less random moments will play a role. So, you know, I, I think the current system does reward that. Uh, I had a long discussion with Doug Glanville uh, a couple weeks back about this exact subject. Doug Glanville, the veteran major league, uh, the major league veteran and, and a guy who does excellent work broadcasting for both ESPN and for, for the Cubs here in Chicago. One of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life and just a really thoughtful person on the, on subjects like these. Uh, we, we had a long discussion about this and, and what do we want to focus on when it comes to the playoff format? And I like that the way it, you know, the way it's constructed. I appreciate the format, but I also understand that for a lot of these teams now, and it's only a two year sample size, but for the teams that have won a hundred games, they've been getting knocked out. And I do think that for players, momentum is something that barely tangible you know for us we use it as kind of a buzzword i feel like for players and managers and organizations momentum is is something that matters to them you know they're the ones that have to operate within the confines of whatever momentum may be and you're seeing it you know teams get hot you know diamondbacks come in they have to win two games in a row against the milwaukee brewers in the wild card from behind on the road you win two of those games, and now it's like, all right, let's get on a plane to Los Angeles. Mm. You're fired up. You're ready. You're, you feel good about where your team's at, and suddenly your confidence is brewed. While the Dodgers, who won 100 games over the course of an eight-month season, seven-month season, uh, six-month season, sorry, are are sitting there waiting and kind of whether it's getting cold, whether it's getting you know rust or whatever. Like I don't want to diminish the arguments that a lot of these teams make feel like it is somewhat more quantifiable now than it has been in years past and in the first two years of this particular format we have seen the byproducts of sitting you know the Braves struggled a little bit out of the gate against the team that came in hot the Dodgers struggled against the team that came in hot the 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 Orioles struggled with a team like the Rangers that came in hot um you know and then but then you can make the argument look at the ALCS Rangers and Astros where it was nip and tuck Rangers won two teams down 3-2 in the series, and they won all the games on the road. Like, that that also has to be rewarded. So I, I, I feel like it's maybe less of a fluke for Texas, if you want to use that word. But I think there's a lot of interesting things to discuss about this current format, the way it's set up. No, no doubt about it. And, you know, interesting note on the, the Rangers, uh, Astros, the uh, 
home game, home team didn't win a game, just like the 29 World Series that the Astros were involved in. When the, the Nationals and, and Astros, nobody won a home game. So that's still just odd to only, me. Only, only two, only two yeah. series in Major League history. Yeah. Uh, that have ever, only two seven-game series in Major League history that have gone that way. 2019 World Series and ALCS this year. Yeah, just crazy. On paper, I still say, again, it's on paper, but I look at this matchup and it favors the, the Rangers to me. I, I mean, I still think they're a better club. Um, I'm, I'm still shocked at how the Diamondbacks beat the Phillies, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> you know, even after going down 0-2. So, I mean, I, I know they're what you said a few weeks ago. This is a young, aggressive, uh, loose team, but I, I got to go with the Rangers here, Adam. What do, what do you see in this series? I mean, the Rangers offense is what still scares me you know the diamondbacks did really good stuff with their pitching staff uh they really navigated that series against philadelphia impressively um but i i just like the the rangers offense i i think their offense has a lot of pieces i think there's more more threats throughout their lineup uh i love what arizona's done and i i don't think they they'll they won't be competitive i think they're going to be a very competitive team just as we've seen in the first few rounds of the playoffs but i just like texas's team i like that they have some more experience in their pitching staff, I think Evaldi has been a big game pitcher now for the better part of of the last five years. You know, he's stepped up in postseasons when mm-hmm. he's needed. Um, I, I like that they have Max Scherzer available. You know, as much as uh, the jokes have been made about his struggles at times this season, I, I still feel like that's a that's a strong person to have in your pitching staff when you're going into a big game situation. He's done it really well. A couple times, you know, he was in that 2019 World Series for the Nationals against the Astros and pitched in big games. And I like where the where the offense is. I, I think Seager's scary. Simeon is scary. They've got this Evan Carter kid, 21 years old, who's played like a veteran already in this postseason uh, for the most part. And Adolis Garcia is, might might be the hottest hitter in in baseball remaining right now. So uh, there's there's a lot to like about Texas. Uh, it, it feels more like a pick'em to me. But I, I like Texas. I lean towards Texas, and I think the battle-tested nature of what they've done the last uh, the last few rounds will have a lot to do with it. Although you can make the same case for Arizona, I just like Texas more. I, I think it's a little bit more familiar. I think there's a little bit more experience there. I'm going with you. I, I like the Rangers two and six. All right, let's get to the NFL. And you really have an interesting game Sunday, uh, late game on Fox out in Seattle. Brown Seahawks. Um, Two really tough, hard-nosed teams. I, w- I want to focus on the Browns a little bit, though, because they lost Nick Chubb, and I don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. He has a shoulder injury, I guess, but there's a backdrop in Cleveland from what I've been reading there. Um, Mary Kay Cabot and some of those other writers up there that a lot of the fans of us already said, you know, forget this guy. You know, th- this is a defensive team. We don't need him. Uh, you know, he was signed to that mega contract with all that going on in his personal life. But it does look like the Browns are not really a quarterback dependent offense. And, you know, they're finding a way to win game with that defense. So, um, what, what do you think is going on with, with Watson? Is he just not well? Uh, or are the Browns possibly better off without him? Better off without, uh, I think is, is, an interesting experiment. I'm not sure how to, to parse that just yet, you know, because there's just so little of a sample size mm-hmm. with Deshaun Watson so far. He's already missed three games this season. And I missed the game against Baltimore where they really struggled without him. You know, the, uh, the Dorian Thompson Robinson had to step in for his first NFL start and just could not move the football. Now, granted, Baltimore might have one of the five best defenses in the NFL. So, so understandable. They just shut down an, an incredible Lions team uh, to the tune of six points last week. Um, so a lot of teams are going to struggle with Baltimore. But, you know, these last couple games, they haven't 
it's not as if they've been a world-beating offense. Right. You know, the, the defense had a lot to do with what they did in that 39-point effort last week. They got bailed out by a couple of calls uh, late in the game against Indianapolis when they were trying to score the ball. They don't have a passing touchdown in October. You know, They haven't had one since their win against Tennessee in Week 3. And it's hard for me to sit here and say they're better off without Deshaun Watson. It's easy to jump on Deshaun Watson for a lot of reasons. Because this is, you know, based on the results that you're getting, based on the baggage that came with it, and the price tag that came along with it, $230 million, most of that guaranteed, is a lot to pay for, I think, any player right now, especially in such a volatile league like the NFL, when you're trying to keep multiple players. And, and again, this is the ultimate team sport, and you need to be able to distribute cap space, and you need to be able to distribute uh, resources to multiple positions. You know, the, this is as good of a team as Cleveland has had since 1999, right? 1999 is kind of the starting point for when the franchise got back and they've had 36 different starting quarterbacks now with, with PJ Walker being the latest in that fold. Uh, they've been to the playoffs one time in the last two decades. They haven't won a division title since the late 80s. Like, there's all these things that are standing in Cleveland's way. And the price tag that comes with a player like Deshaun Watson, who after the suspension last year and the injury issues this year has missed most of the time and made six starts last season. He's made four this year. Uh, there's, it's really hard for me to say they're better off without him because the sample size is so right. small, but I, I've always kind of been kind of turned off by the deal. Partially, I understand I'm biased because I just didn't like the baggage that he was coming in with. Right. And and I didn't like the overpay for a quarterback. I now, agree. is is PJ Walker the guy? Uh, it's hard for me to tell. You know, I thought he. I'm a huge PJ fan as a person. Uh, I think he's got real talent, but is he a legit starting quarterback in the NFL? That's a question that still remains to be answered. This is a guy that got cut by the Bears for their backup job. You know, they paid. They basically paid out his his full salary. You know, it wasn't a huge paycheck or anything, but they basically paid out his full salary and cut him. At the end of the reg, of the, at the end of the preseason, and went with the guy that's starting this week now in Tyson Bajan. So there's a lot to parse through with Cleveland. Are they a, def- a defensive-minded team? Absolutely, they have arguably the best defensive player in the game right now, Miles Garrett. Talked to him yesterday. He feels like this is as good of a team as Cleveland has had since he's been there, and he's been through the 0-16. He's been through the through the ups and downs uh, of this organization. So he really understands it better than just about anybody. And he has a, a supreme level of confidence in what this defense can do and what's a really competitive division. But that's the other concern I have. The AFC North is really, really tough this mm-hmm. season. And not to say that it isn't in, in, in every year, but this is a very tough division right now. The Steelers are 4-2. and two. The Bengals look a little bit better now after Joe Burrow seemingly is getting a little bit healthier and a little bit healthier after the bye week. So this is not going to be an easy division to navigate. And you need a quarterback. You need to be able to make plays. You need to be able to get the ball to guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper and David Njoku and Harrison Bryant. Not just lean on Kareem Hunt and Pierre Strong. Jerome Ford is is their second-year running back. He got hurt last week. Nick Chubb's done for the season. Like They've only had to navigate a couple of games without, you know, a few games without Chubb, and they're going to have to figure it out, you know, with, with Kareem Hunt, who was, you know, brought back to try to stabilize their run game. So there's a lot of issues right now for that Cleveland team. And when you look at the other side of this, you got the Seahawks. So Pete Carroll looks, you know, 
70 plus going on 50 and uh yeah. that energy and and another really good defensive team you know they're not blowing people out and and this is a division the nfc west i think most of us just gave to the 49ers but i don't think the seahawks feel that way and uh they just you don't know how to win games and i, I don't look at seattle and say nothing about them says great team to me but uh, maybe they'll prove to be one what do you see from them and and, and what's been the key to their success I think they have a lot of individual talent and guys that, that have played with each other long enough to be able to emphasize some of those talents. You know, this is a, this could be, you know, I came into the season thinking this could be one of the best wide receiver trios in the game in DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, he just got Smith and Jigba just got his first NFL touchdown last week, uh, in their victory over Arizona and Jake Bobo stepped up with, with a second touchdown catch this season because DK Metcalf was out for the first time in his career. That's, that's also incredible to think somebody like DK Metcalf is such a physical receiver, hadn't missed a single game in his career until last week, but he's expected to be back. They are doing it with a little bit of a patchwork offensive line. You know, they're without their right tackle, Abraham Lucas, who was in his second year, did a great job as a rookie. He got hurt in the first game. Charles Cross, their left tackle, got hurt in the first game. He's been back the last couple of weeks. They had a backup center in last week. Jason Peters at 41 years of age might be uh, ne- uh, necessary to help bolster their offensive line. So that's an interesting conversation that we're going to have with Pete Carroll today. Uh, but they, I, I just think it's a talented group. Defensively, the same thing. You know, Reek Woolen is, you know, one, he was one of the best rookie corners in the league last year. They added to that uh, back end with Devin Witherspoon, who I think has been excellent. Jamal Adams, when healthy, is one of the better back end players in the league. Uh, Julian Love signing has worked out well. Quandre Diggs is a quality player. They brought Bobby Wagner back, and you know he knows the system inside and out. Jordan Brooks has come into his own. So I'm naming a lot of players individually. I just think they have a, a, a really, really impressive amount of talent on this roster, and that's that's what sticks out to me more than anything else. And uh, you know, with Geno Smith playing as 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 well as he has the last year plus. You know, they're in good shape. Now, he's turned the ball over a lot the last couple of games, and they have a lot of things to clean up. But I think this is, again, a team that's going to be competitive from here until the end of the line. Does that mean they're going to overtake San Francisco? I, I don't, I'm not sold on that yet. But this is the NFL. The Niners have struggled back-to-back. Mm-hmm. You know, Brock Purdy's not perfect. He's not a perfect quarterback. Uh, they have some issues on the defensive end. So I, I never – it's the great thing about the league as you know, it's just you never really know what's going to happen because when you have 50 players trying to do, you know, a couple specific things every game, the variables are very high as to how that's going to get messed up. You know, when you have two teams of 50 plus players trying to make stuff happen, so it's why the league is so great. It's why it's so competitive. I think this, these two teams have enough to stay competitive, and I think divisions that have really, really strong uh, efforts throughout. Adam, I want to ask you about Jaron Reed real quick because he's always been a good player out of Alabama, but he's come back to yeah. the Seahawks and just, I mean, he's having a, a Pro Bowl type year. Of course, he lobbied to get his buddy Frank Clark back there, you know, a couple of, kind of a couple of nasty defensive linemen. But what have you seen from Jaron Reed? Who, like I said, he's been solid his whole pro career, but this year, man, he is just, he, I, I mean, when I've seen him, he's, of course, I've seen highlights, but he's looked dominant at times and, and, and just been a really disruptive force on that defensive front. He's already got four sacks from, you know, from a, from his position on the line. I think a lot of it has to do with, with the guys behind them. You know, we were just talking about some of the linebackers mm-hmm. uh, that, that have made an impact. And, and I also think Seattle's gotten a little bit better up front. You know, I think adding Draymond Jones was a big deal. Um, 
and, and having him play basically next to Jaron Reed's great. But those linebackers behind him, and, and one loss they've had is Ochenna Nwosu. That's a tough loss. That's right. Frank Clark. That's why they went out and grabbed Frank Clark because they, they've lost Nwosu for a period of time with a pectoral injury. But the linebackers behind them, I think, have been great. Boye Mafe is coming into his own as a second-year player. We mentioned Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks, you know, two exceptional, talented, tackling linebackers who know how to how to navigate this defense. So I think it just takes pressure off Jaron Reed to have to plug up multiple gaps in, in the front, and that allows him to kind of focus on his matchup, and he's been winning his matchups to his credit. You know, to get four sacks from an inside position, essentially, mm-hmm. is no small task. You know, we talk about it with Aaron Donald all the time. Now, granted, guys like that are moving around a lot more than they used to, but, you know, to have sacks from that interior position is not not an easy thing to navigate. So for him to have this type of season, you know, they needed him too. You know, the Brian, Brian Monet was the guy that they would typically have in that spot, and he's been hurt since late last year. So the Seahawks like, well, we got to do something. And they brought Jaron Reed back. They, they brought in some familiar faces, right? You know, to have Bobby Wagner back, to have Reed back, to bring in Frank Clark back, just guys who know how to plug and play. And Clint Hurt has done a really nice job in the system the last couple of years, and He's made adjustments to the back end. They're going with a little bit more of a five-man backside um, over the last few weeks, and it seemingly has worked. And they've been much better these last few games. Uh, this this whole front, you know, has, has been overhauled, and I think Jaron Reed's been been a major key in that with uh, with the linebackers playing behind him that he's had. All right, just a couple more minutes with them. I mean, let me ask you about last Sunday night. We had the the Eagles Dolphins. Some people said it might be a Super Bowl preview, and of course, Jalen and, and Tua, huge story here. But I think we saw these two teams what they're all about. I mean, I, I know everybody loves the Dolphins' offensive personnel, the explosiveness, but you know, they played the Bills. They got shut down a little bit. Now they play the Eagles. I think the question for the Dolphins, Adam, is can they do this against the really good teams? And for the Eagles, they just are who they are. I mean, they just they just wear you out. 100%. And, and again, it's teams that have good pass rushes. You know, the, the, the biggest factor in all this, as good as Tyreek Hill is, as quickly as he can separate, as great as Jalen is, still have to have a good offensive line. And the offensive line hasn't played as well as they've needed to the last couple of games. You know, they, they've missed on some throws. But timing is everything with Tua, right? And we saw that yes. when he was at Alabama. At Alabama. Just, if the timing is good, man, they're scary. They're just a scary good offense because you, you, you need timing to be able to make the throws. Those receivers can erase some of the timing mistakes if there are any because of their speed and their separation ability. And, you know, the, the addition of, of receivers that, you know, I, I don't know how Chase Claypool is really going to help them going forwards. I don't really think they need it. I think, I think they're good enough without them, uh, with, with the guys that they have, but I feel like those guys erase a lot of mistakes. Now that can be negated by a really, really good pass rush and. If you can heat Tua up and force him out of some of the timing patterns that make Miami really, really good, then, you know, you, you can negate some of the great things that they, they've been able to do offensively. And now there's a book on them. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the, what we saw in those first five, five, six games, five, five games really, I mean, this is like historically good stuff, right? But Mike McDaniel knows that it's not going to be easy. He even said, you guys, you know, some reporter told me, you guys have set the record for the most points or yards in the first five games. And he goes, well, that was the goal to make it to, to be the best team in NFL history through five games. That's what we wanted. You know, obviously being sarcastic and yeah. saying it, you know, tongue in cheek. Like he understands that it's not going to be easy going the rest of the season, especially 
when you're in a division with Buffalo, the Jets aren't going to give you anything less than their best defensive effort every every week, seemingly, because they've done that. They, they shut down Philadelphia as well a couple weeks back. You know, New England played well. New England upset Buffalo last week. So, you know, this is this is a good division. I'm not saying it's a great division, but it's a good division. And it's not going to be easy going forward. And, and now you have a book on the Dolphins. So it's uh, it's only going to get more difficult going forward. And I, I think that timing is the big factor. Their, their timing's so good with those receivers. If you can negate their timing, you can negate some of their big plays. Well stated. Uh, Justin's going to combine these breaks. So he gave me a couple more minutes with you because uh, I want to ask you about the Bills real quickly. They gutted another one out uh, last night yeah. over the over the the Buccaneers, but um, five and three. But they just aren't the team that we expected to see this year, are they, Adam? No, it doesn't feel like it right now. And and listen, when you have some of the losses on defense that you've had, that's going to play a, a role. You know, like the most of the roster is back you know the, the most of the roster is intact or at least the key pieces they and they have more pieces like we saw with dalton kincaid that was a great draft pick out of utah uh i thought that i thought they were going to be solid but you know there there were there were some losses on the defensive end that that are going to hurt and this is a team that was built on the defensive side of the ball of not giving up big plays and stopping everything at three yards you know with matt milano and and the likes when they've had injuries on the defensive end that's going to hurt them a little bit and, and yeah, there is something with this offense that's just not clicking the way it has. You know, we haven't seen it click, or we've seen it click in, in better fashion in, in the last couple of years, and it's just not there right now. I haven't deep dove into, into Buffalo, but you can tell that the rhythm is a little bit off. Stephon Diggs is a little bit more frustrated than he has been the last couple of years. Josh Allen's having some trouble navigating at the line of scrimmage, although he seems to be in, in full control. But I, I think I don't I don't worry about them. All. I, I just feel like they're too talented. I still think by the end of the year, it, you know, you'll be looking at Kansas City, seemingly Miami. I think Buffalo will be in it. You know, the, these are probably going to be, you know, your double-digit win teams in the AFC by the time it's all said and done. I still think those, those teams are probably the best, you know, the best group in the AFC right now. I, I think Pittsburgh is, is good, but they're, I don't know, if, I think the AFC North winner might end up with just nine wins, you know, just because of how that division is. I think Miami and Buffalo could, could both end up being double-digit win teams out of the AFC East, and I think Kansas City will obviously be there. But it's a smaller group. you know. It's a, it's a smaller group right now in the AFC, and I think Buffalo will be fine by the end of the season. All right, Adam, I need the short version here, but we see what's going on with the Titans, and we know what a competitor Vrabel is. But, I mean, that, it just doesn't look like a team that's – they're a team in flux, a team in transition. Should they move uh, Derrick Henry next week before the, the deadline? Uh, I think if you can get – a great haul for Derrick Henry. You know, this is about, this is the time that you're going to get, uh, uh, as good of a haul as you will. You know, the contract's going to run out. Uh, it's going to expire. How much tread is, is left on the tires? And again, is as strong of a back as Derrick is. And I, I stood next to him about a month ago and just marveled at how huge of a guy he is. You know, that's still a, a, a brutal position, especially the way that yeah. Derrick runs football. He takes so much punishment. And I, I do, I think business decision wise, it's, it's probably the right move to make. I understand also not wanting to give away arguably your best player, arguably the player that's put you back on the map these last couple of years. I understand all that. And if that was the reason they didn't want to trade him, I totally get it. But I think business wise, this is probably the, the time to strike and try to get something back so you can start looking, uh, you know, looking ahead and trying to build up the pieces around 
uh, the running back position around Ryan Tannehill right now. All right, 30 seconds. Uh, your Bulls already had the player, the dreaded players only meeting. Of course, they lost the opener <laughs> by 20. It does not bode well, does it, Adam? Uh, it usually doesn't, right? You never want to hear, uh, after game one, a players only meeting, but hopefully there's some positive comes out of it. There's still 81 more of these to go. I, I hope it doesn't sound as long as I just said it. You know, <laughs> I hope the season's not as long as we just made it out. Thanks, my friend. You got it, buddy. Great stuff from Adam Amin, and uh, that's why we're uh, going to go ahead and close out this first hour right now with The Cure. Gets us out of here with the Friday Getaway song, Friday I'm in Love. want to thank Alabama Credit Union for bringing you hour number one. When you hear me next, we'll be into the second hour, and it's going to be a good one as well. Keep it dialed in right here to The Gary Harris Show. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients at Patterson Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another warm, dry day today. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 82. Fair tonight below 64. And for the weekend, warm and dry. A partly sunny sky tomorrow and Sunday. Highs between 82 and 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 70 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Perry Rick. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. On Thursday Night Football, the Bills beat the Buccaneers 24-18. to Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen accounted for three touchdowns as the Bills move to 5-3. and three. Tampa is 3-4. and four. They've dropped three in a row. Jets running back Dalvin Cook admitted he's frustrated with a reduced role and said he will talk to his agent and GM Joe Douglas about trade possibilities ahead of Tuesday's deadline. In the NBA, Damian Lillard scored 39 points in his Bucks debut as Milwaukee edged the 70. Sixers 118-117. Giannis Antetokounmpo had a double-double with 23 points and 13 rebounds. Lakers beat the Suns 195. Anthony Davis led L.A. with 30 points and 12 rebounds. Phoenix played without Devin Booker due to injury, while Kevin Durant had a game-high 39 points. And in the NHL, a couple of undefeated teams went down. The Bruins and Avalanche both now 6-1. and one. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom.
The Tuscaloosa NAACP chapter will investigate claims of an anonymous letter made by a TPD officer saying racism, nepotism, and other improprieties in the department is responsible for chronic understaffing. Minimal rainfall from a cold front next week will drop temperatures, but it will not bring rainfall enough to end the wildfires or the drought. Green County Sheriff Jonathan Benison has filed a lawsuit claiming several bingo casinos in the county are violating mandates set by the state Supreme Court. For the latest local news in Tuscaloosa, Bama Sports Updates. And severe weather information, download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news and sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. It's uh, hour number two of the Gary Harris Show. This TGIF edition for Friday, October 27, 2023, right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Download the app, too. And remember, coming up in our Bama football trivia contest presented by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall at 1030, you can send in your uh, answers on the app. Uh, Justin and, and Noah both will be checking that if you can't get through on the phone lines. We've had, in fact, I think last week was an app winner, wasn't it? Yeah, so uh, the, you don't have to just call in on the phone you can get the app there's a place there to send us a message <coughs> excuse me when i ask the trivia question <clears throat> uh if you know the answer you can send it on the app and it'll get uh it'll get um entered in and have a chance to win justin that that app and and the trivia contest has really really been a big part of, of this contest so far this year it definitely has. It definitely has. Uh, if, if you want to enter in on the app, it's pretty simple. Download the Tide 100.9 app. You go to the top right corner on your phone. You'll see a chat box. Looks like your text messages. Click on that. Put in your information. It's a cell phone number, email, so that we know how to reach you if you do win. And then um, and we'll, we'll see all your messages, even if you want to just ask a question for one of our shows. And uh, we'll, we'll get to you. At 10.30 this morning here on the Gary Harris Show. Also coming up here in just a little bit, uh, we're going to take a couple phone calls here. I see them coming in. We will uh, get to my point spread picks uh, probably in the next segment. Five SEC games. I was uh, three and two last week, so I've, I've been a lot better here lately. I've gone week by week again picking just the SEC games, which is a lot harder, obviously, than picking out um, – you know, just two or three games that you, you, I'm just picking the SEC games as they, as they lay out. After going three and five the first week, I've gone since then four and four, four and six, four and five, four and three, four and two, three and three, and three and two. So after having just one 500 week in the first four weeks, I had, uh, everything else has been a losing week. I have now gone in the last four weeks, I've had nothing but winning records. Four and three. Four and two, three and three, and three and two. So I've picked it up a little bit and hoping that uh, continues in this week nine, which is coming up, uh, beginning, of course, tonight. Uh, there have already been some games played, but, uh, the SEC games all will be on Saturday. All right. Let's jump out on the first domain condominiums hotline, 205-342-9904. Welcome in Joseph. Hey, good morning, Joseph. What's up, Gary? How you doing today, man? Doing all right. I appreciate you taking my phone call, man. Yeah, sure thing. Go ahead, Joseph. What you got? Hey, I'm going to clear the air on some stuff. Hey, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I get a bad rap on Jalen Miro. Uh, 
I don't like the way the kid plays football, okay? I mean, that's just – but it's strictly about football. I don't like him playing football. I mean, I just like – you know, I don't like the way, you know, some NFL players play football. But I don't want people out there to think, you know, that the, the other people that listen to your show just think, well, he just, he's got a vendetta against Miro. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing like that. Miro is an outstanding kid, outstanding character, outstanding, outstanding young man. I just don't like the way he plays football, and that's it, Gary. All I right. Well, you, uh, you've, you've stated that well, so we appreciate you saying that. What, uh, uh, so that's on the record, and we got it. What's, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the games this weekend? What about Georgia, well, Florida? Like, how do you see, how do you see Georgia, Florida? Well, um, the Georgia, Florida, um, I kind of, I feel like Georgia's probably going to win. Um, I think you're going to probably see some new weapons that Georgia's got because they're a lot like the old Alabama team. Um, remember Alabama, when they had somebody hurt, they, somebody would step up and just take their place. I think you're going to see that in Georgia this week. Um, I think you're going to see somebody just step up and take Brock Bowers' place. won't be Brock Bowers, but, I mean, it would be a little fall off, but it won't be much. Um, I think you're going to see that. I think people are going to be surprised how Georgia wins. Um, they're gonna be like, wow, uh, Brock Byers. They got somebody. They had somebody to take his place. But <laughs> all right, well, but, they got Oscar Delp, and he's a good player. And and I think that um, yeah, Georgia's chance for them to make a statement again. They're being questioned a little bit, <clears throat> even though they're number one team in the country. So this is an opportunity, I think, for them to uh, to flash some. Uh, flash some of their uh, outstanding talent. I will say this, and I'll do my picks here in the next segment. Uh, 14 and a half is a lot of points in that game, I think. I think it could be a little closer than that. Hey, good phone call, Joseph. We appreciate you calling in. Let's keep it moving along and get to Tom. Hey, good morning, Tom. Jerry, how are you this morning? It's good to talk to you. Thanks for taking my call. You betcha. <clears throat> uh, your conversation with Corey, there was something said about Alabama and Florida State and I missed the gist of that comment. What was that? Well, what it was is we were talking softball. And, of course, Corey always wants to know about, you know, what I think about the Tide, as you know. And I think that they're you know, kind of rebranding themselves a little bit. I love what's going on. I, I've heard they had a great fall. But I did mention that, you know, how important recruiting is. And I was disappointed that Stacey, uh, Shelby McKenzie, who some people say is the best hitter, uh, in the 2024 class and has been since she was 10 years old. Her mom played softball at, uh, at Alabama and she's committed to Florida State, which even though they're in the, the ACC, that's, uh, that's a program that Alabama competes against and you know it's going to have to compete against probably in the World Series. So I just said that I was disappointed. Not that she has to go to Alabama, but this is such a strong program with such a strong sense of family that I just found well, it odd that. The, I'm out. Yeah. What, 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 what was Mama thinking? <laughs> well, she's probably thinking that Shelby's her own person and gets to make her own choice. Well, I got I got news for you. You get her on this show, and you let us call in so we can say, "Yes, ma'am." All right, brother. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but that's what I it know, was. I, I missed that comment about Florida State. I didn't realize we had lost one to them. I tell you what, they Florida State has been a pain in our foot for some time. I mean in softball. Well they're a really good program, you know, and they're they're um they're right there every year. Yeah, and they and they they try to build their teams a lot like Oklahoma, you know, pitching and power. Oh, yeah. And uh they are a uh, 
a really strong program and and one that um, you know is is got a a blueprint like I said that's a lot like Oklahoma and and uh, Lonnie Alameda of course uh, their coach uh, pretty sure she played at Oklahoma I'm gonna double check myself right now not that she played for for uh, Patty Gasso but but the formula has been pretty. Uh, has been pretty similar. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that's been forever out there. But, you know, the thing about them, and I brought this up to uh, – uh, what's, what's the lady's name that comes on every week that we love so much that uh, works for ESPN? Karen Johns? Yeah, her. Yeah. I, I brought this up to her a uh, year before last, and she never did really get there and give me an answer that I thought was sufficient. But, I mean – not to take anything away from her, but, uh, you know, Florida State has always been one of those teams that I thought was one of the better hitting teams in our part of the country. Now, I'm not, not getting leave Oklahoma out of it, but, uh, but, and, and they, they hit so well, and they have a hitting coach, and he is absolutely fantastic. And, uh, and, and, the, you know, Florida State uh, and the way they use him to, as good as he is um, got me going down the road. Oh, we need a hitting coach. We need a hitting coach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, and and what, what's your thoughts about that? I, I said I told Corey this, and I, Corey never did answer me either. Well, you know they've they've got a they've got a hitting coach now. So you know they've re oh. they've reshaped the staff and and. Uh, uh, you know, we added that extra assistant and, and so that's been, that's been handled. I mean, they've got, uh, you know, they've got, um, Lance McMahon is the pitching coach and Patrick Murphy is the head coach and Adam Arbor handling the hitting and, and Caleb Rowe now coming in as, you know, former great player. So, uh, they've Who's got, the hitting coach? yeah, Adam Arbor handles the, handles the hitters. So, uh, that, that just started though. Well, they were able to add, like I said, they've been able to expand the staff. You know, they they got the, you know, right, the right. But uh, I mean, look, this is the, this will be the first year we had a designated hitting coach. Yeah. So so, but anyway, you you got the expanded staff now, and and like I said, different responsibilities, and and uh, you know, he, um, I think Adam Arbor, you know, worked with the hitters last year, and it just kind of, it really probably wasn't just it laid out as well. But now that, uh, again, you've been ab- able to add another coach, um, you know, he has, he started out in a volunteer role and, uh, but worked with, with the, the hitters. But now I think it's full fledged. He's the, he's the hitting coach. And I'm sure Kayla will, will, you know, help as well because she was a heck of a hitter. So, but no, it's, it's like I said, the staff's been reworked and, you know, you get an extra full time assistant. So that, I think that's, you know, that's where they're at now. Well, look, let me run this by. Okay. Coach Adam, this is Tom. Now you need to listen to this, Adam. These girls need to know that if you're going to swing at a low and outside ball, <clears throat> don't get there halfway and stop and and, and don't swing. If you're going to go, go. Go 100%. And uh, don't don't get down there and say, uh-oh, I shouldn't have swung at this. If you start to swing, finish the swing hard. And that's what he needs to know. 
Well, I think he's going to do a good job. Like I said, he's uh, he's been on the staff. Now he's the now he's assigned oh, to, one, to one, the one hitters, and he he he, he, uh, he, he, he went to school at Michigan and was involved in the great program there, and uh, spent a year at Iowa. He was at Alabama, then went to Iowa. And now he's back at Alabama. I pulled up a little right. information on him. So yeah, I think he'll do a good job with them. Let me ask you this. Okay, and he still fine. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't looked into that, Tom. Well, he got, he may have learned something in Michigan. Or Murph may be on the phone. He may be, buddy. Hey, any, any edge you can get. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you, Tom. Tom was, Tom was feeling his oats this morning a little bit here on a Friday. All right, it's 1016. And, uh, this is the Gary Harris show this hour. I did not say this, uh, because we jumped right in. Uh, let me make sure I let you know that this hour is being brought to you by Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. My friend Paul Patterson and my friend Mike Comer, uh, do an unbelievable job. Personal injuries attorneys that are located right here in Tuscaloosa and Northport. And that means a lot. Again, I talk about them often. I, when I have a lawyer and, you know, I, had to have Paul's services a couple of times. I want it to be uh, right here where I live. You know, nothing against those 800 firms, but I want to be able to look a lawyer in the in the eye, meet with him personally, and you can do that with Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. Paul's in Tuscaloosa, 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport, 205-759-3939. Or you can find out more at PattersonComerLawFirm.com. Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And we'll be back with my SEC point spread predictions and more of your phone calls next right here on the Gary Harris Show. You've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprise come your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another warm, dry day today. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 82. Fair tonight, below 64. And for the weekend, warm and dry. A partly sunny sky tomorrow and Sunday. Highs between 82 and 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Never miss a moment of the action. Download the free Tide 100.9 app today.
back in here on the Gary Harris Show on this PGIF edition. It's 1020 a.m. And uh, we can take some phone calls in this segment. If you want to give us a ring on the First Domain Condominiums Hotline, 205-342-9904. In the next segment, uh, Brett Pritchard with the Auburn Report and also Bama Football Trivia presented by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. And we will be giving away a Alabama wide receiver, um, Isaiah Bond, autographed football so another terrific prize that's coming up in the next segment so get ready with bama football trivia right now i'm going to give you my sec point spread predictions and i've been fighting back after getting off to a horrible start like i said i've had uh i've had four weeks in a row four non-losing weeks in a row three of them were winning weeks and one of them was a three and three but uh i see let me add up where i'm at here real quick 7 11 15 19 23 26, 29, 29 wins, 9, 15, 20, 23, 25, 28, 30 losses. So I'm right there close to 500, 29 and 30, and uh, hopefully I'll have a big week this week and get over 500, which would be great. All right, let's start it off with uh, Auburn hosting Mississippi State. That is coming up, um, of course, tomorrow afternoon down on the Plains, and Auburn is a... Six and a half point favorite in this one. I had a call earlier about Auburn making a a bowl game, and I said, uh, you know, it's certainly not a given. I mean, let's just be honest about it. I mean, they're they're winless in the SEC, and Mississippi State at home looks like a winnable game for Auburn, but Auburn's offense has just really been. Not good. And so I think they're going to win the game. I do. I think if you're looking at Auburn and you're trying to break their schedule down, this is one that they need to get at home. Of course, I don't know what Will Rogers' status is, quarterback of the Bulldogs, if he's going to play or not. I think that makes a a big, big, big difference in this game if he's able to go. And... Um, I don't know, to be honest with you, what his status is. Uh, I'm trying to find out right now because that's a really kind of important to to know. Um, he hurt that shoulder in the win over Western Michigan, did not play last week at um, Arkansas, even though they won that game, though he scored seven points in the game with Mike Wright in there. And, and Zach Arnett, has not said this week <clears throat> if Rodgers is going to go or not. Um, there was a report that came out early in the week that he wouldn't play, but now there is what I'm reading. <clears throat> there are some people over in Mississippi who believe that he will play, but like I said, Zach Arnett has not, has not said, um, and we don't know, so we just don't know. So you have to you have to approach this as you don't know if Will Rogers is going to play. Here's what I think: if this was seven or more, I would take Mississippi State. But because it is under a touchdown, six and a half, or under a touchdown, an extra point, <clears throat> I'm going to take the Auburn Tigers here. And I'm not. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to take them at home. All right, South Carolina is at Texas A&M. That game comes up. Tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Central Time. Here is the deal. I think I think the Aggies are going to win this game. I think they're going to win it. I have, in fact, I have no doubt they're going to win the game. 
But this is a 15.5 point spread, 15.5 point spread. And I don't see A&M's offense the way it struggled. You know, scoring enough points that if, let's, you know, let's say South Carolina can score 14 points, I think they're going to, you know, I think they'll cover this line. So I'm going to take the points here. And again, South Carolina is not a, a great team by any means, but I just think this is too many points. All right, Georgia and Florida down in Jacksonville. 14 and a half, the dogs. This is another game where I think Georgia is going to win the game. But I do think Florida is going to stay within the, the, the line. I think that uh, Georgia wins this maybe by more like 7 to 13 points. So I'm taking Florida here plus the 14 and a half. Tennessee tomorrow night at Kentucky. 6 o'clock kickoff central time in Lexington. Tennessee's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Kentucky's running game has been good. Their passing game has not been very good. I Even though Tennessee lost at Alabama, I did like what I saw from them in the first half. I think they're a better team than Kentucky. And Kentucky, we know, at night in Lexington, Alabama's going to have to go up there in, in, in a couple of weeks. You know, it's not going to be easy. But I wish this line was a little bit lower, but I'm going to take Tennessee Minus the three and a half here. And Vandy at Ole Miss, clearly Ole Miss is going to win the game. The question is, are they going to win it by 24 and a half? Another, these are a lot of half points. Every one of these SEC lines <clears throat> have half points right now. And half points are difficult because it's really more like a point. I mean, that half point, you know, might as well be rounded up to a point other than you would push and not, not lose. But that half point can kill you. Uh, I don't know with Ole Miss, you know, we've seen them. You know, slip up at times, not be impressive. I mean, when you're looking at, at Mississippi and what they've got left, uh, could they overlook Vanderbilt knowing that they've got A&M coming in the week after that and then going to Georgia? And that half point looms. I mean, but Ole Miss can score points. And in this game, I think at home, you're going to see the Rebels – Trying to make a statement for the posters. You know, what are you, what are you going to get from Vanderbilt? I mean, you know, they're going to play hard, but is that enough? It might be. I mean, you know, 24 and a half, they lost to Kentucky by 17. They lost to Missouri by 17. They lost to Florida by 24. They lost to Georgia by 17. So every one of those games, they stayed within 24 and a half. So that's all I need. I'm going to take Vandy. I think they keep it within the number. So again, recapping week nine picks in the SEC. I've got South Carolina plus 15 and a half at A&M. I've got Florida plus 14 and a half against Georgia and Jacksonville. I've got Auburn minus six and a half at home against Mississippi State. I've got Tennessee minus three and a half at Kentucky. Yeah, that's, I'm still not sure about that one. And I got Vanderbilt plus 24 and a half against Ole Miss. All right, we got to get to the break, and when we come back, it's going to be busy. We're going to interview Brett Pritchard, get the Auburn scoop from him, and also the Bama football trivia question. The contest will run the entire segment and into the break. 205-342-9904, the first domain condos hotline. Again, 205-342-9904. Call in to win. Be ready to give your first name, your last name, and your phone number, or you can also use the app and message us there, and Noah and 
Um, Jason, uh, Justin will get to it. Now, I'm going to be interviewing Brett Pritchard the entire time uh, during this segment, but they'll be taking your phone calls. So be prepared. Bama Football Trivia presented by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall is coming up next. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1031 here on the Gary Harris Show, and it's time for the uh, Auburn Report with Brett Pritchard from the Auburn Blitz. And uh, Brett uh, is on the First of Mankato's hotline. We're going to get to him in just a second. But, again, we're going to run the Bama football trivia contest presented by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery University Mall while we're interviewing Brett. So I'm going to go ahead and give the question first, and then we'll get to Brett. And then the whole time I'm interviewing Brett, uh, Justin and Noah are going to be qualifying people, 205-342-9904, also on the app. And occasionally people, social media, uh, message me the answer. And if it's correct, I'll get you turned in as well. All right, here is our Bama football trivia question for today, presented by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. Nick Saban has um, obviously had a lot of success at Alabama. He has won six national championships, eight SEC titles, has turned out a lot of different quarterbacks. But we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. In 2007, when Coach Saban arrived at Alabama, he had to take on the roster that was here. And I have documented it, 2008 NFL draft. Alabama didn't have a single player drafted. It seems unfathomable now. But that's kind of where the roster was at. So he inherited uh, his team. uh, But he inherited a pretty good quarterback. And that's my question. Who was Nick Saban's first starting quarterback back in 2007 at the University of Alabama? Who was Nick Saban's first starting quarterback at the University of Alabama when he arrived in 2007? Not the first national championship quarterback, not, uh, you know, any of that. The first starting quarterback that he had. And he started for two years with Coach Saban after previously starting for Mike Shula. So that's a lot of clues right there. The phone lines are lighting up. Thankfully, we've got uh, Brett Pritchard on hold, so we don't have to worry about him getting bumped. So, again, the question is, Nick Saban's first starting quarterback at the University of Alabama. Phone lines are open, 205-342-9904. You can message in on the app. And uh, if you shoot me a message on social media and you're right, I'll get you turned in as well. All right, after all that, Brett, you're ready to roll. Good morning, my friend. How are you? morning gary i'm good buddy hey listen uh we we broke this you know you're on every week we've been breaking this schedule down for auburn since before the season started and and it kind of uh 
went like we thought it would go. Figures you'd win the first three, then you'd get in that stretch of A&M, Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss. And let's be honest, you and I both said might not win, win any of those. And you didn't. But now you got a stretch. Beginning with Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. Uh, not only a chance to, you know, get on a three-game winning streak, get to three and four in the SEC, but to have a, you know, increase your chances of being bowl eligible. These next three weeks are big for Auburn, right? I think this week's big. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, looking down the road, all three, but, uh, I think it starts one at a time, uh, at this point. You've got to, you got to really concentrate and figure out a way to get a win Saturday. Uh, this offense, uh, has continued to struggle all year long. Uh, I don't think anybody, uh, imagined that Auburn's offense, uh, would struggle to this level, uh, with Hugh Freeze coming in and, uh, Philip Montgomery's past with what he's been able to do. And, uh, you know, I just heard you talk about, uh, Nick Saban inheriting a roster right. in 07 that, that, you know, uh, didn't have a single player drafted. And, and again, I, it's not a cut on any of those kids. It's not a cut on these kids on this roster this year. But and it is what it is. It, yeah. bit, it, it, it is. And, you know, and I'm not putting all the blame on, on the, the players because it, there, there are some coaching. Uh, issues right now. And I think that goes along with you trying to figure out what is best, uh, for, for this team to be successful. I think when you're laying it all on the table, uh, I mean, I don't think any coaching staff anywhere in the country goes into, uh, preparation each week to figure out how to lose. I think every, every, every coaching staff goes into the, to their meetings trying to figure out the best way to win. And, you know, it's frustrating for fans when your team doesn't perform. I've, I've had to talk Auburn fans off the ledge all week because, and I've had to remind everybody and, you know, and I don't mind doing it, uh, that, you know, before the season started, everybody to the T said Auburn would probably be a six and six, seven, five team based on what, what, what you had on this roster and with the new coaching staff and a bunch of transfer portal people coming in. It just was what reality was playing in this league. Well, but when the season gets started and, you lose by touchdown to number one Georgia and you're in the moment and the hype. All of a sudden your expectations change and you become a fan again and, uh, reality kind of goes out the window and then you want to win every game. And of course you want to win every game, but you forget that what reality is that you're still a probably a six and six, seven, five team. Mm-hmm. And Auburn still has a chance to do that, uh, with, with what's ahead. And, uh, they, they have to erase. What's happened to this point? They really need to start over from a standpoint and say, okay, we really need to start like it's, we're, we're 0 and 0, uh, on the season. And these next three, like you said, SEC games are extremely important. Uh, and you know, Auburn with the New Mexico in there, if they were to get on a streak, they could be on a four game winning streak heading into the Iron Bowl, Gary. And you know how mentally and, and you know, just the whole field could be so much different, but. On the flip side, if you lay another egg at home against the Mississippi State team you hadn't beaten two years, you know, things start to look a lot more bleak at that point. And bowl opportunities really become uh, tough to come by at that point. You're going to have to play almost perfect football at that point. So I know that's a lot to kind of sum up, but that's kind of where this team is. And, and they've got things to figure out. They do have weapons on offense, but they've got to figure out how to move the football and generate points. And, again, Close doesn't count, but in horseshoes and hand grenades. You know, you look at it from a situation, they played Georgia well at home. They played Ole Miss well at home. They didn't get the wins, though. Uh, they, they got blown out at LSU and 
it was a pretty poor performance against Texas A&M. So you would have liked to have stolen one of those games. Uh, you weren't able to do that. Now you've got to win these next three SEC games to give yourself a chance uh, to get to get to a bowl game. Yeah, you do, and the, the work is in, in in front of them, but it's still doable. And you mentioned uh, the roster situation when a new coach comes in, and and I think too something that's overlooked, and I know it happened here with Saban. It's happened with most staffs. Is you bring in a staff. But you're bringing in a new staff, too. And some of these guys you may have coached with, some of them you may have not. And as you go into your tenure as a head coach, sometimes you have to tweak that staff, too. And I don't know what's going on with Leslie McGriff moving off the field. Um, and you maybe can speak to that. But you get the feeling that after this season, not only is the roster going to be tweaked with recruiting, but that the coaching staff may very well be tweaked as well. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, again, uh like you said, when you bring in a, a new group of guys, uh, you know, you may have coached with a guy here or a guy there, but maybe collectively you didn't have all these guys in the room together at the same time. And, you know, sometimes people don't mesh. It's not a, you know, it's not a finger pointing deal. It's not one person's fault. Sometimes you, you don't personalities or whatever don't, don't match. And, uh, you know, Coach Freeze is, is paid what he gets paid to make those decisions or what he feels like, uh, is best for this team. And, uh, if that means, you know, some assistance not being here, uh, uh, next year, uh, or after the season, so be it. But, you know, that's what he's got to do is make those decisions. And, you know, I, I don't know all the details on, on Wesley McGriff, but, you know, uh, just from what I'd heard that there was some, you know, disagreements between him and possibly Ron Roberts and, you know, and, and, and maybe it'd be best for him to be moved in another role because Wesley McGriff is, I think, a key integral part of this staff. And I think, uh, he's a great recruiter and that's what Auburn really, uh, is focusing on right now. Again, I said it last week, uh, Gary, I don't think, uh, six or, or seven wins is, is the important part of this. Uh, this process right now for Hugh Freeze. I think whether he can finish sixth or seventh and recruiting is more important uh, at this point uh, because he knows he's got to get the players in here uh, to do the things he needs to do to compete at the the top of this this league. So uh, I, again, I think uh, there's a possibility that uh, some coaches could be moved. But you know, again, if Auburn goes on a four game winning streak and Alabama comes in in the Iron Bowl and that game's close or However, that thing plays out, you know, things could totally be different in five weeks. Yeah, so good point. You're, I, just, I just think you have to, I think you have to think yeah. take it one week at a time. Yeah, you do. That's football. I mean, you know, you, you lose four in a row, everything's negative, but you come back and you win three in a row and it, it'll be an entirely different mindset. You're absolutely right. This game tomorrow, let's start with Mississippi State. And if you've been able to find anything out on, on the quarterback situation, um, you know, Mike Wright played last week. And, uh, with Will Rogers out and, and they got seven points and that was enough to win the game, but that their offense was not very good. Are you hearing anything on, cause I haven't been able to find out anything. I know Arnett's playing the keeping it quiet, uh, card. Do you think, uh, Will Rogers will be a quarterback tomorrow for the Bulldogs or Mike Wright? You know, the, I don't think Mississippi State's going to tell you until the game starts. Right. Uh, and, you know, I think we've seen this play out, uh, from a strategy standpoint. Uh, a lot over, over the last however many years we've both been coloring football. And when you try to keep things under, under tabs as long as you can, you know, it's a strategy thing. And, uh, you know, I would, if I were Auburn, I'd be preparing for, for Will Rogers. You know, I'd be preparing for my ride. I'd be preparing for both of them. You know, you've got to figure out a way 
to to do that and, and look at film. And, you know, Mississippi State obviously is a completely different team when Will Rogers is on the field. I mean, these kids almost thrown 1,300 yards this year and uh, thrown 10 touchdowns. Uh, he, he's a dynamic quarterback. I mean, I think you and I both said – uh, he were he was one of the top quarterbacks in the league coming into the season. Uh, you know, with Mike Wright on the field, it's a little bit different. More of a runner, uh, not going to throw it as much. Um, so, you know, the the styles of offense are completely different. And uh, I don't know that you can really look at last week's game against Arkansas and get much out of that. Uh, there's not a lot to watch on that game from either team, uh, if, if you want to be honest about it. So. You know, if I'm Auburn, I'm 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 worried about what we can do, and and I'm worried about what this offense can do and generate points. This is a great opportunity at home to get a win, uh, also to stop a a streak that that doesn't happen much in this series. You know, uh, I think uh, Mississippi State's won eight times in its entire history in in Jordan Hare State, and so uh, and the last one two years ago, Auburn had a commanding lead yeah. at halftime with Bo Nix, and I have zero idea what happened in the second half with Brian Harson's team. You know, they had a big lead against LSU, blew it. Had a big lead against Mississippi State, blew it. Had that lead against Alabama, blew it. You know, I, I don't I don't know what happened there, but, you know, I think Auburn, and then losing a close game last year with Carnell Williams taking a team over there that, that played Mississippi State to the very end and had a chance to win the game and came up uh, a little bit short on the road you know, motivation to kind of get this thing turned back around and, and say, look, you know, Mississippi State uh, at home, that should be a win for all. No matter, you know, year in and year out, even if we have a, a team that's a little bit a little bit down, you know, Auburn should line up roster-wise and be able to, to win that game. So uh, that's, what I, that's where my mindset would be, uh, no matter who the quarterback is for Mississippi State, say, look, we can go out there uh, and, and we should be able to win that game at home. All right, um, Brett Pritchard with us from the Auburn Blitz with the Auburn Report. Let's get to, to Auburn's quarterback situation. And, you know, I just decided to pull the stats up this morning because I was curious. I, I remember Thorne had the big game against Sanford where he threw for 282, but he threw for – and, of course, you know, keep in mind that Ashford's been playing some. but threw for 141 against UMass, 94 against Cal, a Cal. And then in the SEC, uh, Thorne's thrown for 44, 82, 102, and 100. And he's been the leading passer in every one of those games because uh, Ashford, for all his athletic ability right now, still just is not, you know, a, a polished passer. What's the plan for Auburn at quarterback this weekend? You, your guess is as good as mine and, any, and anybody else's, I think, at this point. Um, you know, for whatever reason, uh, Hugh Freeze feels like, uh, and he said it again this week in his press conference, uh, he said that based on offensive staff recommendations and based on what he sees in practice, uh, you know, if he feels like playing two quarterbacks is still what he needs to do, that's what he's going to do. I mean, Brent's opinion from a, from a, a different side is – it isn't working, you know, and I think a lot of people have that, that plan, but I don't coach either and, uh, I don't make that, that kind of salary and I, I don't, I don't, you know, make the game plan each and every week. Uh, you know, to me and the only two quarterback system I've ever seen work, uh, and it was at a very limited, you know, stint. That was Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. And, mm-hmm. and most everybody knew what Tim Tebow was going to do when he came in and inside the five yard line. This is a totally different deal. There's a lot of times, and, and again, going back to my earlier statement about it's not all the players' fault for sure. There's questionable times this coaching staff 
uh, you know, Auburn will be driving the football down either with Peyton Thorne or Robbie Ashford and quarterback get jerked out. And, and, you know, it just is hard on any quarterback to get a rhythm. It's hard on any offense when you're moving the football down the field and all of a sudden you change the guy that's calling the plays and, 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 and the signals and, and taking the snaps. And, you know, I think the quarterbacks are a little bit frustrated at this point. You can hear it in Peyton Thorne's, uh, comments this week when he was interviewed. Um, you know, he said, look, I'm just going to keep doing what I know how to do. And, but you can read through the lines. And I think Auburn's fans obviously are, are, are a little bit disappointed and frustrated with, with the two quarterback system. I think most people would be okay, win, lose, or draw, just making a decision and going with one guy. So, um, I don't know. Uh, it's hard, Gary, when you read off those stats for any quarterback to throw for a hundred yards or better, uh, when you're constantly coming in and out yeah. of the game. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where that lies right now. And I think you're going to see it until you freeze decides he doesn't want to see it anymore. Yeah, he's the head coach, and it's his it's his call. All right, where do you think this is uh, this is going tomorrow? Uh, I mean, I think Auburn's going to win a football game. I, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I don't feel you know real confident, but I think they're gonna gonna get this one at home. What do you say? Well, if you go back to last week, I, I thought Auburn would win the Ole Miss game. I really did. And 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 look, fourteen all with about three minutes to go. In the third quarter, Auburn was right there where they need to be. I felt like, you know, after the performance against Georgia, uh, you know, and I know LSU was sandwiched in between, but, you know, I, I knew back at home at night it would be a different environment. I didn't think Ole Miss was that good a road team, and they proved that they weren't. I mean, they, you know, I think Auburn's lack of ability to move the football was just uh, as, in, in, you know, I guess the, the, the nail in the coffin more than anything Ole Miss did. And I give Ole Miss defense credit. They made some plays, but you know, this offense has just not been able to put anything together against any defense, really. So I think Auburn had a chance in that game and they blew it. Um, Mississippi State, again, is not to the caliber of the opponents that Auburn's played the last four weeks. So I definitely think that helps. And, uh, I think Auburn matches up really well with this Mississippi State team. So I'm with you, Gary. I think they win it. But Auburn cannot, cannot turn the football over, and they cannot go three and out and, and go a quarter and a half where you can't get a first down. So um, they're going to have to put some consistent drives together. They're going to have to cash in. I don't think this Mississippi State team is as much of a threat on offense either. Uh, I hope we don't have a three-to-two win <laughs> like we had several years ago, although at this point I'll take it, you know, if that's what we have to do. Yeah. but. Uh, I think it could be an ugly football game offensively for both teams. Um, but I think Auburn's defense at home and getting some guys back like Keontae Scott and Austin Keys is really going to help this defense. I, I do think Auburn wins the game. Uh, and I think, you know, I think it'll probably be fairly close. I think it'll be something like a, a 24 to 17 game, but I think Auburn pulls it out. All right, Brent. I said last week I'd save just a little bit of time, just to, nothing major, but just uh, basketball's right around the corner. What's uh, what's the vibe on Auburn basketball? I think a lot of excitement. You know, uh, you know, not a lot of high expectations, and I think the reason being is because a lot of people just don't know how this team's going to play together. I think there's a lot of pieces there. You know, uh, Auburn had to go out just like a lot of teams and hit the transfer portal. And uh, if you hear Coach Pearl talk, uh, he's excited about. Chad Baker Mazar. He's excited about uh, Chaney Johnson coming in from UAH and being one of the top players in Division Two last year. And 
obviously very excited, you know, about Denver Jones to transfer from Florida International. Those are some guys, but also excited to have Janai Broom back, who could be one of the better players in the country and, uh, uh, in the pieces that are put together. So, you know, Auburn basketball gets started next week, uh, and, uh, an exhibition game and then have a couple of games, uh, to get started and, uh, and this thing will be off and rolling, but, uh, you know, I think it's an opportunity for, for this team. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a really tough conference. I think a lot of teams are better this year, but I think this Auburn basketball team is going to be better than what it was last year. So, um, I know people are excited. It's still football season, but, uh, you know, in this state now, uh, fans, uh, get a chance to, uh, kind of do dual duty and pull for basketball and football at the same time because we've got two really good basketball programs in this state. All right, great stuff as always. I know you got more coming up today on the Auburn Blitz. Yeah, we'll be uh, at it again at noon. And, again, looking forward to kind of breaking this Mississippi State game down. We'll, we will preview a little bit of Auburn basketball as it starts next week and uh, uh, just pretty much the same as we always do every Friday here. Thank you, Brett. Have a good weekend, man. Thank, thank you, buddy. All right, uh, Brett Pritchard with the Auburn uh, Blitz providing our Auburn report. All right, it's 10.50. Here's where we stand. Uh, we got 22 qualifiers for our Bama Trivia uh, contest presented by T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, and the University Mall. And it, sometimes I'll keep the phone lines open throughout the break. Um, it's quieted down. It's slowed down. I know we got uh, a couple social media qualifiers. We got uh, a bunch of phone calls. Did we get any app qualifiers today, Justin? Yeah, I got some, got some app qualifiers too. But I'll tell you what we'll do. The question was Alabama's first uh, quarterback under Nick Saban. Uh, what was Nick Saban's first starting quarterback at the University of Alabama? I'll keep the phone lines open. If you want to call during this break, we can still qualify. We're at 22. We can qualify a few more people. 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904. So if you want to qualify, we'll still give you an opportunity to do so. Uh, during this break and then we'll come back and we'll close it out and, uh, we'll give you the answer and we'll draw for the winner on our computerized roulette wheel. Real quickly, YMCA at Tuscaloosa, ready to go downtown 2313th Street. I'll be over there at 1130 working out. Come by and see me and give them the, you know, give you a tour while you're there. You'll love it. I love the Y. That's why I've been a member for over 20 years. YMCA of Tuscaloosa. All right, we're back to wrap it up right after this on the Gary Here Show. On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Monday, 7.30. We'll have Max Howell. Look at the games from the SEC. Also look ahead to the LSU game on Saturday. Doug Bell will join us in the second hour. We'll find out where Doug's picks any better. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Patterson Colusa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205 205- 562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another warm, dry day today. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 82. Fair tonight, below 64. And for the weekend, warm and dry. A partly sunny sky tomorrow and Sunday. Highs between 82 and 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. up another week here on the Gary Harris Show, getting ready for the weekend, and uh, it's Bama football trivia answer time. We had 23 qualifiers. We got one more during the break for a total of 23 off the phone line, the uh, First Domain Condos hotline, the app, and also a couple social media answers. So here was the question, or here is the question, (laughs) still the question. Who was Alabama's first starting quarterback under Nick Saban? What quarterback started 2007? He also started 2008. And the answer is John Parker Wilson, who came out of Hoover High School, uh, won the starting job after Brody Coyle left. And uh, John Parker took over in 2006 under Mike Shula and kept that job. So he's a three-year starter and uh, really one of the most accomplished passers in Alabama football history. And remember 2008, after the 7-6 and six season in 2007, 2008, John Parker led Alabama to a 12-0 and record. And just within a few minutes of winning the SEC championship over Florida in 2008, Tide lost that game to Tim Tebow and the Gators. Tim Tebow and the Gators went on to win the national championship. And then Alabama lost in the Sugar Bowl disappointing game to uh, Utah. But then, of course, the next year, uh, it was 2009. Greg McElroy took over and led Alabama to their first national championship under Saban. But John Parker Wilson was the first starting quarterback under Nick Saban at Alabama. We had 23 qualifiers. The way we do it, we take your name and we put a number as you call in, 1 through 23. And then we roll the roulette wheel. It it lands, oh, 24. We got it added one more. Oh, so 24 qualifiers. So that uh, wheel will land on 1 through 24 and whatever number is next to your name in the order in which you called that's the winner go ahead and roll it justin our winner is kim griffin the last entry wow. into the contest number 24 kim griffin last is first congratulations kim you're going to win, or you have won, that Isaiah Bond, Alabama's outstanding wide receiver, autographed football courtesy of T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. I'll be getting in touch with you, making arrangements for you to pick that up, and uh, you're going to love it. I mean, that is uh, – and not only is he um, – you know, signing the ball, but he's a current player. Just like we gave away the Milrow ball a couple weeks ago. This is a kid that's going to be around here for another year or two, too. So you'll get to enjoy it while he's still playing. All right, John Parker Wilson was the answer. Kim Griffin is the winner. And uh, congratulations to her. All right, that's going to do it for the show. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Cover Law Firm. Catch me on TV tonight with your local sports and football Friday, 1030 to 1130 on WVUA 23. Miller's Edge is coming up next. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll talk to you again on Monday.
for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Houston Hydro's